Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 129 of the North Meet Southwest podcast. 129. It is a late night here. We had a basketball game and we were out of town and we just got back after eating some amazing local food there in uh, Decatur, Illinois. So I don't even remember the You're name right. of the place. It was like, oh, I have to look it up now. Give the people a shout out. I met a really nice guy there named George. The uh, is a 74-year-old guy, and I swore he was like in his 50s, just like the nicest guy in the world. Just, I don't know. It was pretty cool. Cool people down there in Decatur. Nice people. Uh, Crackles. Crackles in Decatur. K-R-E-K-E-L-S. Crackles, you guys make a good cheeseburger. It was amazing. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, Graham scored half the points for his team tonight, uh, which was five nice. points. He scored five points out of ten. They've got this like they have like a, they played their eighth grade team at this school, and uh, my my kid is from a small private school, and so they don't have a whole lot of kids to pick from. And in fact, they don't. I, I don't. I think they have maybe two eighth graders, and this other team was all eighth graders, and the rest of our team is made up of fifth, sixth, and seventh graders. Right. So these kids were monsters compared to our kids. Monsters. They were so big, but we play. It was fun. It was fun. Still got to watch the kids ball it up. It's good times. So anyway, nice. it's it's uh we just got back literally like I don't know, fifteen minutes ago, maybe twenty minutes ago. And so yeah, we've, uh, it's uh, been a day. We've not had a good run with um trying to record. No, it's been really this hard week. this week to record. We were supposed to record Monday and we missed that. And then it was Tuesday and then it was Wednesday, and I was up late last night, but I was like, I was too late. I I got to the show late and it was like, oh, I'm in the middle of something right now. We'll try again tomorrow. So I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> so I did not want to do it tonight, but it was like try number four. So I wanted to make sure I did my duty yeah. here and, and got on the air. So we're going to make this one probably a little bit faster than normal. Maybe got some fun stuff to talk about. Um, what's going on? How was your day? How is your day going or your week or whatever? Uh, day's going all right. Yeah. Week has been all right. I, I played basketball on nice. Wednesday. How's your knee so doing? This is like, yeah, no, knee's okay. I am. Um, we were playing against some like younger guys, but they were footy players. That because oh, footy season is over, <laughs> they so these, um, are the, these are the football players they, of America, right? I mean, the big big boys, right? No, no, not that, not that big. Aussie rules, Aussie rules football. Sure, but still, so those guys are um, like those guys are no, uh, you know, they're no pansies. I mean, these dudes are big dudes. If you ever watch Aussie rules football, it's a big deal. Yeah, footy. I mean, the, these guys were they were young, they were fit. You know, obviously, but they're also quite strong, like quite quite well built. Like physical. So I yeah. I had one. You know, I was bumping bumping with one, and he hit me in the chest, Ooh, and it kind of two days cracked. later, my chest is still sore, oh, and it's like yeah. I can feel it through into my shoulder blade. Oh gosh, dude, so, that's hilarious. But um, no, we we won the game, which was nice. Nice. Um, Did you hit any? Are you a three point probably, shooter? Where where like what do you play? Where do you play out on the floor? I play uh, rebounder as a two three. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, no, sorry. I end up playing forward sometimes. That was like when I was growing up, I was a power forward, which you know now it's crazy because <laughs> yeah, right. I'm I mean, five foot ten and right, right. Um, so yeah, I I'm a terrible shooter. Like I haven't played basketball really since I did my knee. So it's been four years. Right? Okay, sure, yeah, and you'll, you'll get out of your rhythm. You wait for four years between playing playing games. Yeah. Um, I played a couple of weeks ago, so you know, but I I didn't didn't score at all that last game, and 
during the warm-ups, my shooting was terrible, so I just had yeah, no expectation yeah, whatsoever. Right, but right. I had the first shot of the game, like, caught the ball on the wing, wide open, no one was coming out to defend me, so I just, you know, hoisted up the shot, and it was nothing but net. No I was like, way. Oh. You're like, it's golden. It's time. Let's go time, right? I And, like, normally when I shoot, I have no expectation of it ever going sure, in. Like, someone right. will get the rebound, or the other yeah, team will get the yeah. rebound, and, and it's like, so I shoot the ball, mm-hmm. and I never chase the rebound. Right, okay, I turn around. Okay. And go oh, you to play like a defense. Steph Curry. You play like a Steph Curry. Like you so, shoot. So and it looked like around. I pulled a Steph Curry. Like totally. I shot the ball and I just turned and ran down the court. And That's it's hilarious. Like, oh, Cocky little right. punk. And they were like, okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna put my shoulder in this guy's chest, teach him a lesson. <laughs> right. So that was um definitely uh not expected. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty I, cool. Start off think, the game right. I think I led our team in scoring. Nice, which dude. Was, That's awesome. Not that and, feels great. And I had it's like I still got it. I know we were we were down by one, and there was like a minute and a half left in the game. And I had the ball, and like the defender came out to the wing where I was standing, and he like overcommitted as I, you know, fake because I was going to pass it, and he's gone into the air. So I've dribbled around him to drive in, put up a floater, made the shot landed i had a guy jump into me so i got the free throw so we're at one point now i go to the free throw line and like my shooting historically is either the most perfect shot you'll ever see or or it's the worst shot you'll ever see right it's a 50 50 right i nailed the free throw so we're up two points with like a minute 10 to go we nervous already go down the floor i know we go down the floor we get a stop they you know they turn the ball over we get back up, we miss the layup. There's like 20 seconds left in the game. We get back, we hustle back. We're all like, nobody foul, nobody foul. Our center, our big guy, he's like oh, six no. foot three. Okay. okay. And like, he's just chasing down the floor and he's lumbering down there and he's just jumped into the back of this guy making oh. a three point shot. Oh, no. So nine seconds left, no lineup. Other guy goes to the line. Three shots. Yeah, right. Breaks the first one. Okay, good news. Okay. We're in for a draw. Makes the second one. Misses the second oh, one. Oh, okay. So now you're feeling good. You're like, okay. Whew. Didn't even bother on the third one. We're like, no, go back and shoot it. And he just like throws the ball at the backboard. So he should have hit it off we, the front um, of the rim, rebounded and dunked it. Uh, and that's what he should have done. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. So we, uh, we got, got the win. Nice. Which is, which is nice. That feels good, man. But yeah, yeah. That, I didn't really notice until the next morning. It's like I got out of bed and like the knee I was expecting. Like it's just stiff. It's not sore or yep. anything like that. Yep. And it's fine now. Um, but yeah, the chest has made my subsequent gym sessions yesterday and today a bit annoying. We're going to have to talk about knees some other time because I've got some of my own knee thing. I messed up my knee. How's yours going? Yeah, you, yeah, I messed it up the other day. You had that issue last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever whatever it's fine i'm i'm doing okay i'm i'm not i i shot around a little bit the other day and i was like oops shouldn't have done that so whatever it's fine i'm sure people are sick about hearing about our pathetic basketball escapades of like you know uh old man pickup ball anyway i've got a couple of things i want yeah. to talk about today um sure. we have a uh channel in our slack at work where we just kind of throw um links back and forth and i barely ever get to read all of them uh but i also you know i like i'm a 
I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's good and it's bad. Like if you're constantly reading articles, sometimes you feel like you're actually accomplishing something by just the learning of it instead of applying it. So that's not great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been reading, uh, some interesting stuff and wanted to share and then talk about, um, one thing that you mentioned previously that maybe you could enlighten us about something that you're working on. So, um, this article is by Ben Nadell and it's called only solve one new problem at a time. So Chris Coyer, if you know who Chris Coyer is, um, he's like CSS tricks guy, but he also has co-founded CodePen, which is where you can go and, you know, set up a little CSS, HTML, JavaScript, um, snippet, if you will, right. A little mini micro website, uh, of sorts. And they've been doing this for like the last 10 years. Right. Um, it was, mm-hmm. I remember when they first started it and it was pretty cool. Um, but they, they got on a podcast recently, talked about the top 10 lessons that they've learned over the last decade of work at CodePen. And the one thing that this uh, author, Ben Nadell, took away is the item number six on their list, which is one thing at a time. Uh, so they say the whole point of running a company is to solve problems. When it comes to solving problems, uh, Alex, who is the co-founder, Alex uh, Vasquez, says only one new problem should be solved at a time, right? So example that he gave in the episode was learning Golang. So understanding how to use Golang was the new problem for the company. So in order to start mm-hmm. integrating Golang into their work, they applied it in the context of a problem that they had already solved, sending emails, right? So instead of saying, all right, we're going to do this brand new portion that we have not solved yet with a brand new language that we have not learned yet. They said, nope, instead, we're going to learn this new thing while re-implementing something we've already solved. Right. So this way, Golang was the only that was the one new thing that they were solving. The email sending logic already existed in Ruby on Rails, I suppose. And they just had to port it over to this new application server. So um, Mm -hmm. this author says uh, this was a really big wake up call because when he reflects on his own work, some of the biggest mistakes that he had made in his career revolved around trying to solve multiple problems at the same time. And this hit me, too, because recently we wanted to switch over how we were authenticating our users. Um, we had previously done some, uh, active directory LDAP stuff locally, and we wanted to switch over to using SAML, um, to just do single sign on stuff. And our users would only have to sign in one time across all of our applications and, and whatever. But I fell into the trap of, okay, well, while we're here refactoring to do SAML, we should also change how we're handling the developer experience for logging in locally. And so let's tackle mm-hmm. that too. And then what ended up happening is it just got out of control crazy, right? And what should have taken a day and a half, um, ended up taking, we're going on over a week, right? And it's not like that's the only thing we've been working on, but you just lose that momentum sometimes, right? It's like other things pop up. You have, you have two days scheduled to do it and you have the time to do that, but you over promise, I guess, to yourself what you think you can get done maybe. And you try to solve more than one thing at a time, more than one new thing. If I would have just said, yeah, we already know how we're doing the authentication stuff. I'm just going to swap it over to SAML and it would have been done. And then I could have, ta- you know, lived to die, you know, another day, I guess, right? You could have tackled that other problem uh, separately. Uh, so in the article, the other thing that he says, like, th- with this is, and, and he, he recounts his project ending up coming in months late, and it was a horrible mess of hard to maintain code because they were just at that point just trying to get it done, right? Trying to solve two problems at the same time ended a disaster, essentially. The other thing he takes away, which is what I think you might have some insight into, is if it can't be done incrementally, don't do it. Um, so right. this is sort of his corollary to the rule of one new problem at a time, which is that if you can't do it incrementally, if you can't ship portions of the feature, 
don't do it. So over the last six years, this author says their feature flags have revolutionized the way that they do work. Um, so what they do now is they say, I, he builds everything so that it can be integrated incrementally, a piece at a time. Um, and we don't, we don't necessarily do that. We don't have any concept of feature flags in our stuff. Um, but I think you recently said that you do. And so I was just curious how you guys are doing that and how that's working for you. Do you guys do that? Do you guys ship features incrementally? Do you hide <clears throat> things behind feature flags? Yeah, we have recently, there's a couple of things that we've been working on that we like. We were finished development on them, but the business wasn't quite ready to market them to, you know, put them out to our customers. And so... You know, so that we didn't have this branch sitting around getting stale. Right. That's a um, good problem. Yep. You know, and then you have to deal with merge conflicts and whatever else uh-huh. later. Yep. We just shipped it. Um and we, we created like this really simple middleware. So we're not we're not using any libraries or third party services or anything like that. It's just this middleware that checks. You know, we pass it a parameter, which is just the feature name. And so we've got a config features.php, which is just an array of feature name, and then whether it's enabled, true or false. And so we configure all that with environment variables. And then we send back like a, I think it's a, what, a 503 maybe? Or maybe it's just a 400 or whatever, you know, this bad request. I don't remember what the response code is. But essentially that's all it is. And it just comes back with a message that says, you know, the feature. We don't we don't hide the fact that it exists, uh-huh. but we just send back the feature is not enabled. And then... Because we've got like a separate backend and front end, the front end also has its own feature switches for like, do we show this menu option and things like that? But if someone was to discover the API endpoints, then, you know, prevent them from accessing that stuff before it's ready. So that's like a very, very simplistic approach to it. You know, it's not per user base or anything like that. It could be in the future if we wanted to do that, you know, turn things on and off for different users and make it available for different paid plans and, and whatever else. So is it like at the end of the day, we push the code kind of regardless of if it's working or we get, we get it, you get it to a state where it's not going to break anything, but it's also not ready for production yet. So you just kind of say like, right. Hey, at the top of this controller, if any, in the constructor, if anybody tries to do this, just abort 503 or whatever, you can't get here. The end. That's mm-hmm. the feature flag. Yep. Is that kind of how you Got handle it? it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that and, is a, and that's, that's an interesting way to do it where it's just like, Hey, we're going to split this piece off, and if somebody wants to get to it, eventually they can. But for right now, we're just skipping it. Like it's not, it's not going to be. But like you said, that way you get around the problem of like branches getting stale and all of that stuff. I think the only thing I worry about with that is like, you know, when I see the pull request, it's sort of difficult for me to understand the scope of the whole feature because it's been into a couple different PRs or something. You know? Yeah. Like are all and the tests we, there? I don't know. Thing. Like it's like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So we try and like have these things self-contained. So like this is ready to go. And then if we want to add to it, then we've got like PRs, the branch to PR, or branches, the branch off branches of branches of branches. Yeah, yeah. And so you can just like merge those back onto and, you know, rebase and, and you know, merge and whatever else as you need. But it allows us to, you know, selectively go through and say, okay, this is ready, ship it. Um, I'm working on another thing at the moment, which is like the base of it's kind of ready, but because it's, it's where we're kind of handling different integration cases for different third parties. So like the core functionality is done, 
then as we add an integration or a adapter for each of the third parties, you know, we do that as a pull request, review that, merge it, ship it, next one, merge it, ship it, next one, merge it, ship it, and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's that's the extent that, that we've been working on it, um, which, like, this is only the second feature that we've built in that way, but it seems to be going okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I might I might try and do that. The unfortunate part for like this this project that I'm working on right now is I'm sort of like, ugh, like I'm already part way in. But yeah, this this sort of brings back uh, a second article, which I also wanted to talk about, which is called the developer manifesto, not manifesto, mm-hmm. but manifesto. Manifesto. And right. so this is like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten rules uh for really good sort of minimal code now i wish i have a a that's not the pitch for it the the pitch for it is is something else but these are the 10 rules right and and i wanted to talk about two of them that i feel like are uh relevant to kind of the what i'm one of discussing here so the perfect one or the the first one is kill the baby ooh dang <sighs> Right. Sounds horrible. Um, but the idea here is they say, kill the baby, the sooner the better. Don't be afraid of throwing to the rubbish a project you've working you're you're I'm uh, sorry, you've working on last month's that's bad writing. Uh, when you start from scratch, innovation comes organically inspired by previous experiences. Evaluate your work constantly. This is what the book Lean Startup is all about. Make your MVP, validate it. If it doesn't fit, kill it. You will already have learned from it. Fail fast, learn soon. So for me, I honestly do know, I know exactly what I need to do to get this feature to where I need it to be with the SAML stuff. But I'm sort of in the middle of like, oh, I had like a refactor going here and I kind of had a change around this and I'm sort of in the middle of it. And at this point, I honestly might just say, scrap the mess. I'm going to go back to what I was at originally and I'm just going to replace that SAML piece and call it good. Like I have all the other mm-hmm. ideas and I we've we've like crystallized a lot of those ideas we've had discussions as a team around how we're going to implement those other features but at this point it seems better to like literally keep the documentation that we wrote like keep the notes kill the project start from scratch and i can knock it out in like an hour guaranteed but i'm sort of in the middle of a mess right now because i've got three Mm -hmm. things going on at once you know what i'm saying so i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna adopt that what what do you think about that that uh that catchphrase there kill the baby (sighs) Killing the baby. Killing the baby. What do you think about that? Yeah, don't. I mean, you probably need to come up with a better name than killing the baby. I think they. I think they did it to you know, it's shock factor, right? It's helping it stick, yeah. I suppose. I think it means like fail fast, right? That's the idea. Fail fast. So, and but but more than fail fast, I think it literally is trying to get across the fact like you. It's okay to scrap a project that you spent some time on. Like it's it's okay. Like sometimes the fastest way forward is back. They say right. Like. Mm-hmm. instead of trying to fix some of the mess you've made, it's like you learned a bunch when you did that. Okay, so now go back to where you were and start back from there. And you can you can actually get fa- get to where you were faster without all the experiments that you ran in the meantime, trying to figure out what you needed to know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that that's literally the exact situation I'm in. I was like, okay, let me try and get this working. Okay, I have it working. But what I did is I made a mess of things while I got it working. And so now instead mm-hmm. of trying to go back and undo all the mess I made, it's like, why don't I just kill that, start from where I was originally, 
and implement the things I know now that I made the mess. Yeah. Right. And that's the idea, right? Innovation comes from, uh, in, you know, previous experiences. Yeah. And it's inspired mm-hmm. by previous experiences. So take what you learned, kill it, kill the project and start over. And like, that's okay. It's okay to do that. Right. Um, which I think is, uh, I think that's a pretty cool idea. Excuse me. Pretty cool idea. And the one other one was perfect is the enemy of good, but I'll, I'll let you speak to that first one. I think like Taylor, Muhammad, they've spoken about this in the past where, you know, they'll write it. Taylor, I know for sure, you know, puts everything in the controller first and gets everything to a working state and then extracts it into, you know, actions or whatever else. I know that Muhammad, he he writes tests, but he said, you know, he'll get the feature working and then write the test and that then gives you the freedom to kind of use what you know works to then ensure that it works with the tests and then it gives you the opportunity to start refactoring. It's um, it's the same kind of thing, I think, in that, you know, you're using what you've learned from building it to, to do the next thing, you know, to, to build a new version, to do that kind of refactoring with with more knowledge, you know, and anytime you build something, you like you already know where you need to get to. So yeah, because yeah. you know where you're trying to get to, it's easier for you to say, you know, um, this is where I'm going to end up. So I'm going to try this different approach to get there. Yeah. It's like, so, so that's actually what you're saying is the next thing that I was going to say in this manifesto, but I want to give a quick illustration. So I feel like this concept, and again, again, hate the name, but it's fine. Whatever. Kill the baby. Right. I feel like the idea of this is I am starting on a journey and I see this, like, I, I got to go through this like forest to get to this hilltop that I see in the distance. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know really where it is yet. I just, or let's, let's say, actually, let's say better. There's this like hidden Mayan temple in the forest, right? I don't know where it is. I just know it's somewhere out there. So you kind of go, you make a, you make a path. It's very wandering and very like, it's all over the place, right? But you eventually find, find the temple, right? There it is. I know exactly where it is. Well, the question is then, do you go back and sort of like line that very wandering path with bricks? Or do you, now that you know how to get to it, do you make a straight shot from the temple back to where you started? Because that's where the road is and you're going to have to bring supplies in. You, instead, you cut a new path. This is, I know exactly where I need to go. I know exactly where I'm coming from. Ditch the old one. Doesn't even matter anymore. It was time spent, but it's not valuable anymore. I'm going to cut a straight mm-hmm. path from one to the other, because I know where I need to get now and I know how to get there. So boom, there's that, right? But then the second part, what you're talking about, and this is exactly what this says, is perfect is the enemy of good. So look for perfection, but not yet. Iteration is that friend that gives you the right advices at the right time. First, do it, then do it right, then do it better is the idea, right? And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you're talking about with Taylor. Like do it in the controller, then refactor it, then, then, you know, then make the API perfect or whatever. Right. And I know yeah. David Hemphill said this before, like he made the prototype for Nova and then Taylor looked at it and was like, this is really good. Do you mind if I work on it a little bit? And Dave was like, sure. He literally <laughs> rebuilt it. Like, from, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, he took inspiration from what David had built and was like, oh, I like a lot of these ideas, but I would write it different than that. So he almost like started, like they rewrote the whole thing pretty much. And yeah. so, um, there is a difference between those two, like right? this idea of killing a project that you that you got to the destination 
And then the idea of make it work and then make it better or sorry, do it, then do it right, then do it better. Right. Um, yeah. But those are two, those are two sort of principles that I thought were really insightful uh, along with, you know, the, I think we said the idea we said of like only solve one problem at a time. Mm. So, yeah, I think those were really relevant to this project I've been working on and felt they were worth sharing with, uh, with you and with the audience. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a person I follow on Twitter called Alan Holub and he is like an agile guy okay, and talks about like, but doing agile the wrong way. Right. And all, all of right, the, sure. you know, the, the, the performance theater that, that goes around it, all of the, um, you know, scrum and having a scrum master and like all of the process and like all of that stuff. When you, when you take agile down to its bare minimum, it's like those five tenets of agile, you know, people, um, people over processes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, responding to change over following a plan. Um, and he he tweeted something today or he retweeted something today where like, and I'll find it because that will probably make me sound more intelligible. Um, <laughs> not my agile was what he retweeted. Make a little progress on a lot of things by working on them all in parallel. That way you can deliver something each iteration for each of your multiple objectives. Um, so this is like an anti, this is an agile anti-pattern. And this one is particularly oh, see, common. It's best... It is best for the entire team to work collaboratively on one thing only, then the entire team moves to the next thing. This also indicates too many external dependencies. Cross-functional teams have none. So this is where we're kind of looking at the moment. We've got like two back-end teams, two front-end teams, two product owners, two BAs. And so they they run as like two teams, but it's like a cross-functional team. We all work on one feature at the same time, and that way you can do two features at the same time. And and sort of being able to do that gives you the ability to um, kind of ship things, complete things, making sure that you get everything done, um, and and then getting that out. And that like depends on the size of your organization. If you if you're more smaller, more smaller. If you're a smaller team where you've got more full stack types, you know people that do front end, back end, it's probably a bit easier anyway because like you're just getting stuff done, but being able to work collaboratively rather than submitting like a slate of code at the end, you know, here is a pull request with a thousand lines changed across 10 files, whatever. Whereas if you're working collaboratively full time, which is like a mental overhead as well, because, you know, being on a, a tuple call or whatever for hours at a time is hard, but you can stop problems early. You know, if you're driving and I'm watching and I say, why are you doing that? Or what made, what made you choose that approach kind of thing? You can kind of steer yourself away from going down the wrong path as opposed to like one of my team writes code, team leader reviews code, I review pull review, uh, pull request. And then by the time it gets to me, it's like, I wouldn't have done it this way. And then it has to go all the way back down. Like mm. it's not... It's better to have a collaborative process. Yes, you've got more people working on the same thing at the same time, but it means that you can drive like an acceptable solution to the problem from the start. And the earlier you can identify that, the better. Um, I, one of my devs came in and he was working on something and like I didn't hear from him for 
a week or so and I said, you know, how are you tracking? And he goes, well, this is where I'm at. And I looked at it and I'm like, I think you've missed the mark in terms of how it's been implemented. Like we were using DTOs, but the way that they had implemented it, they were not using the DTO. There was like all these layers and stuff on top of it. You know, so instead of using the, so using the Sparse DTO package, the, the data transfer object package, and so instead of using like the constructor and using the types to kind of specify the shape of the schema, like what that DTO looked like, he'd use the validator and then was using like all of these extra methods to then accept a, an array of, of data and then validating it all and then like trying to construct it in that way. And then like, and I'm like, well, the DTO package will already handle doing all of this recursively. It will all already handle required fields based on, you know, the types. If the type is set, then the value must be provided. Otherwise, you're going to get an exception from the DTO. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. So, like, we don't need to do validation around, you know, required, that it's a string, that it's an integer. Like, all of that stuff is handled by the package. So once you start stripping all of that stuff out, the only thing you're left with is is really the business rules. And there's, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of episodes. There's really one, two, two different ways of doing it, either by still using that validation, which which is the approach we ended up taking for a couple of reasons. But it means that like in the DTO constructor, you can do validator, colon, colon, validate, dollar parameters, which comes from the constructor, comma, and then static colon colon rules. So we set an array of validation rules on the DTO to say that, you know, to, to enforce that business level logic, which is the way that we've done it. We could have implemented value objects for that, you know, and the value objects are then self-validating um, as we've discussed right. previously. Yeah. Um, so, you know, using the validator allows you to just embrace the framework and, and you know, we're using Laravel, we're using that. It's, it's all going to be there, so it's fine. And it means that we get that business validation in a way that will protect the application from doing anything that it shouldn't be doing. And then we're just using the DTOs to then go like when we want to return it or when we want to actually we're making a request to a third-party API, just take like $DTO, arrow to array, and then send it as part of the saloon request. Gee, I went off on a really bad tangent, didn't I? This is what happens when we do this on Friday. We started talking about like, your thing. And then I ended up talking about Agile and now we're talking about DTOs. I'm sorry to our listeners at this point that I have not had any coherent thoughts today. <laughs> That's okay. That is okay. I mean, I'm sure we could kind of, I'm we sure can if kind you of isolate back, it, but yeah. like if, if, if we do these as sound bites and release them separately, yeah. then all of it sounds fine. But totally. this is not a coherent episode. But I hope you've learned something. That's okay. That's okay. And I think that we, we had started about, you had started about talking, um, you know, about like the agile sort of deal. There was that guy that you were that you were talking about that has yeah. said like it's better for the team to all move together at the same time on the one thing, right? It it did eventually fall off the rails, but you that was sort of what you started talking about was that idea of saying, uh, you know, do one thing and then do it better and then whatever, whatever. And then you said it's better to do one thing at a time, sort of deal, sort of looping back with mm. that thing we started the show with. But yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. The 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 trap is like you feel like if you have any downtime for any developer that you're losing money, losing efficiency, like, and sometimes that is true, but it's like, I guess, throw that developer on a pairing session with another user. Dude, we did this the other day. This was so cool. 
we got on the call and I set a timer for 15 minutes. And we both outlined, here's three things we want to get done in 15 minutes. And we set the timer mm-hmm. and we stayed on the phone and we were like, let's do it. Boom. Knocked it out. We were both working on the same repo. After 15 minutes, we set the stop timer and said, okay, what'd you get done? One of us had gotten through all three of our items and I had gotten through two of my three items. They said, okay, let's write our new list. What things did we not get done? We need to get done. What did we learn about what we didn't get done that we needed to, you know, how, what do we need to add to our list before we can get those things done? Right. So my number three actually mm-hmm. became three new sub points. And his next thing that he need, learned he needed to do became another two or three things. He said, set the timer for 15 more minutes. Now, it was crazy how fast an hour went. It went insanely fast. We did four of these little sprints. Um, mm. Got a ton done in an hour, right? So like, even if it's two developers literally just sitting there on the phone with each other, we, we, have the, we use Around and it just plays some music in the background. You can have like different types of music that, that's playing. You can even share mm. your own music, but you're literally just sitting there. It's like the same thing as like when we used to like sit in an office together, like me and Jordan bro would sit in an office together. Like, okay, let's knock this out. This is what we're working on. Let's go. Boom. And we'd work on it for a little bit. And you're just right there to ask questions to each other. It's like, if you're both going to be developing anyway, get on a phone call, outline what you're going to do, set a timer and then check in with each other. It's really, it's really, really cool. So, um, you know, I don't know. Pairing is great. Like when you're working on the same code, even if you're working on separate code, sometimes it's cool to do that. Just try it out. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I liked it. So anyway, Hey, should we wrap? Should we wrap this thing up? I think we should. Okay. We get before we lost again before we get lost again before yeah i, I, I again. put a couple i put a couple uh links here that we can throw in the show notes the one other one that was really close to like what you were talking about about um you know basically all moving together there was this really interesting article about how finishing what you start makes teams more productive and predictable it's like yeah well no duh right but they have this really interesting idea is um basically convince your team to stop starting and start finishing Stop starting yeah. new things and start finishing the things that you're working on, right? And uh, we've adopted this um, phrase "time to burger," which is the basically how long it takes for the process of making a single burger versus making like three, four burgers at a time. And with studies, they actually showed like you know it, it seems like it'd be more efficient to lay out four bottoms of a bun and then four patties and then four lettuce, four tomato, four whatever. And then but they're like it's actually not faster. It's not faster when mm. you do that. And so. Um, anyway, they go through it. And so now we've sort of adopted that. Like when we're taking too long to get something done, we say time to burger. And that means quit working on all the other stuff, finish that one thing, right? Get that time to burger down. <laughs> nice. So it's kind of fun. I anyway, I, I shared that. I never want to wait for a burger. I know. Yeah, who does? Who wants to wait for a burger? Anyway, this is a good one. So these are all sort of things that uh, we've shared in our dev chat as well, our dev, our dev links chat. So I would encourage you, if you're not doing that with your team, do that. Like everybody, you know, most developers who are good developers are constantly reading and, and it's fun to just have stuff to share and, and talk about. So anyway. All right, folks. Michael, what episode was this again? You're going to have to remind me. 129. 129, everybody. 129. Thanks for listening. If you want to find show notes for this episode with all the links for all the amazing things we just talked about from all the amazing authors that talked about them, you can find show notes at northmeetsouth.audio slash 129. If you liked the show or if you like the show in general, hit us up on uh, your podcatcher of choice. We'd really appreciate five stars. It'd be awesome. And then we're all still on Twitter right now. Everybody is. I don't think anybody's going anywhere for the foreseeable future unless you've already ditched the platform, which maybe you have. But you can find us at Jacob Bennett and Michael Dorinda or at North South Audio. Hey, folks, that's it. Wonderful hanging out with you. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully it won't take till Thursday next time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, two weeks. All right, sounds good. See you live, buddy. Bye.